2,000 years ago, there was a teacher that walked the planet, and he had a group of disciples that eventually went around the world sharing a truth. And the truth was a very simple truth when it was first taught. Oh. No, 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 no. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> and yet when the mind of man began to take a hold of it, it corrupted the teaching and it made it complex and the meanings got lost and outer focus and outer ways of practicing what was spoken came about. That's religion. But if we go back to the simple words and listen to those words and begin to meditate upon those words to find the truth, the meaning, and come to an understanding of that, we can begin to live that simple teaching that was taught 2,000 years ago and that is taught today by those that are living the Word, that are the living Word, and sharing that Word with others. There's a statement that says, Die daily. Die daily. And I have heard so many different People speak upon just that, and there are books written on the statement of die daily, not understanding what it truly means. To die daily is to let go of the ego self, to let go of our focus down and out into the world, and to move that focus and that energy of attention inward and upward to where the truth resides. We have to let go of one in order to wake up to another. And what did Rumi say? Wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. Well, when the soul came into this physical creation, in a sense it went back to sleep. It went to sleep when it took on the mind to have experience here, and the mind began to take it down and out into the world of illusion, of imagination. And it began to experience the dream rather than the true. And eventually the soul began to believe the dream and chase after the dream, forgetting the truth. And throughout all the time that the soul has been here, there have been teachers ever present saying, wake up, wake up. Saying, die the little death daily that you might know the greater truth. And it's for each one of us to find how we can do that. The path of sound and light presents an easy way of waking up, an easy way of dying the little death daily. And that's meditation. By going inside daily, we begin to bring our focus away from the illusion, away from the dream and begin to look back up to the true source of all life and to the true light. And it's at that time that we begin to move our attention away from the illusion and to the truth that we begin to wake up. It is in that action of meditation that we also are doing die the little death daily. We are actually practicing for that day when the body does die and the soul departs to continue its journey. When we meditate, 
we are doing what we are going to do on that day when the body does die. We are beginning to let go of the body. We are not holding on to the body. We're not giving attention to the body or to the world the body lives in. We are letting go of the body and of the world as we will the day that we take the last breath. And we're holding our attention to the true, to the spirit, to the soul. And we begin to gradually wake up as we do the meditation every day. It would be great if we could sit down and meditate for an hour and that's it. We're awake. We've got it. It's done. But just like death, meditation takes time. There's a saying that the moment you take your first breath, you're moving towards death. And everything from that first breath on is just leading you to that moment when you take your last breath. Well, meditation is the same way. When we begin to meditate, it's like taking that first breath of spirit, taking it in once again, and beginning to let that spirit enliven the soul and to give the soul an opportunity to wake up again. Because we are taking our attention away from the illusion, away from the untrue, and moving it to the true. And in order to do that, it takes time for the mind to let go of the soul and for the soul to let go of the mind. And the only way that that comes about is by us withdrawing our attention, not the mind's attention, but the soul's attention, away from the mind and place it in a different direction, in a different place and holding our attention there. That's why in meditation we ask that people stay focused in loving God and in opening to receive God's loving. That's what meditation is about. And it's in that action that we begin to withdraw our attention and our devotion to the mind and to the world and begin to place it back where it truly belongs, in our soul where God dwells, and in the spiritual universe and realms where God is and where our true home is. So dying the little death daily is an important action. Meditation every day is an important action. Waking up, as Rumi says, and don't, going, don't go back to sleep, is an important action. That's why Brian says at the end of a meditation, bring that awareness with you. Even as you open your eyes, bring that awareness of God into what it is you're bringing into the world. Hold your attention to that inside and let it be that which you walk with into the day. Don't sit down and meditate and then wake up and engage yourself back in the mind again and just do it the way you've always done it in the past. Because that's what Rumi is warning us against. Because you're going back to sleep. You're going back into the illusion and believing the illusion more than the spirit and the true. So the key is, is to let go of the illusion, let go of the world, let go of the mind, let go of the ego for a moment, 
by closing her eyes and bringing her attention to that sacred name and holding her attention there. And as we do, we move that loving inward and upward in direction and focus. And in that action, we do begin to wake up. We do begin to wake up and move out of the dream and into the true. So it's a process. It's a gradual process, a daily process. And the more we can do it each day, the more we're going to find ourselves coming awake. And at first, it can be a little bit discouraging because as we begin our meditation practice, maybe for the first time, the first week, the first month, we may find that we just go into darkness. Or we may find that all those things we've been trying to avoid in looking at about ourselves that we believe, that we've heard about ourselves, that we've placed with ourselves, are going to be what we have to confront first. Our own judgments, our own fears that have caused us separation from the truth. And the key by which to melt those things away very quickly is to not focus on them, but focus on God, just as we've asked. God first and God only. Hold your attention on God. And the way you hold your attention on God is sharing your loving with the Lord and letting the Lord love you. Share loving with you to fill you up. If you hold your loving with God in the midst of the storm, whether it be you looking at your judgments, your fears, your angers, your frustrations, or in the midst of a daily conflict of some kind. If you hold your attention and loving with God, you're going to find that those things will melt away quickly because loving melts it away. Nothing can stand in the presence of loving for very long. It may resist. It may struggle a little bit. But ultimately, it's either transformed by loving or that which is the disturbance will drop away because it isn't of loving and it can't remain in the loving. So in the beginning, we may find that our meditations are a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a disturbance, a bit of a challenge to keep ourselves focused inward and upward when all this stuff we're addicted to and attached to keeps calling us back down, keeps calling us back out. But all we have to do is keep reminding ourselves, no, while I'm closed-eyed and in this focus of meditation and focusing my loving on God, I'm going to let go of all of that and just be in the loving. Be in the loving with my soul. Be in the loving with my God. Be in the loving and wake up to the loving. And all those things that are not in the loving, I'm just going to let go of for a moment. I'm just going to dismiss them. I'm going to say, I'll be back later. Just leave me alone for right now, however it works for you. That's what I used to do. When things would start yelling at me from the world, while I was in meditation, I'd go, not now, I'll see you later. But what was interesting is, after a while, 
when I turned back around into the world, as I was bringing that loving with me, what was there causing the disturbance in the beginning of my meditation all of a sudden was resolved or gone or didn't come back again to put itself upon me and separate me from the Lord. We have a lot of things that we in other lifetimes and in this one have placed between us and God. We are very strong creators and we have created a lot of beliefs, a lot of illusion, a lot of unlearned lessons that stand between us and the Lord. And those often create a sense of unworthiness, of separation, of loneliness, of longing, of wanting. But if we can begin to live in the loving flow by sharing our loving with God and receiving God's loving, all of that melts away. And it melts away very quickly if we allow it. And those are some big words in the process of meditation, if we will allow it. Oftentimes, because our ego is so strong, our mind is so determined, we can come out of meditation feeling great for that moment. And then the ego and the mind and the emotions and the imagination and the body engage themselves with us, the soul, take a hold of the soul once again and say, okay, now come on down here and let's do the real life. Wherever you were right there and it's not true, leave it alone, we're going to do life. And we get caught up once again in the illusion, believing it to be the true. But the more we can meet that energy and love it, accept it, and move with it even, in loving, the more we're going to find our freedom. Resist not, want not. Well, resist not is a key. Do not resist that which comes upon you. It's like falling into quicksand. The more you struggle, the deeper you go. So don't struggle. Don't resist. Just be still. Be still in the loving. Be still in the knowing of God. Be still. And you will find very quickly that that which you thought you had to resist and push away will just go away because you're not struggling with it. You're not giving it power to hold on to you. And you're not holding on to it. You're no longer attached to it and you stand freer. And every day that you do that, you become freer. That's why meditating every day is of great value. Because it is a step-by-step process. It's a pathway that we're walking. And if we can walk part of that pathway further and further along every day, we will find ourselves moving very quickly, making great progress inwardly and outwardly in how we are living our life and how life is living us. The life of the eternal, the life of the true, the life of loving. So it's up to us as to where we place our focus and how we're going to live our life. You know, years ago, when I first heard 
that the path of sound and light, this was back in the early, early 70s, about a spiritual teacher in India who was sharing the path of sound and light, and he said that it is very important that you remember and do two and a half hours or more a day of meditation. Well, at that time, I was doing an hour, an hour and a half. And I thought I was doing good, and I was having wonderful experiences and moving very quickly along. But two and a half hours seemed like so much more. Actually, it isn't. I found out pretty quickly. So I wrote him. I wrote him a letter and I said, are you sure we have to do two and a half hours? And I wrote him all my excuses why I thought we didn't have to or why I didn't think I could. And he wrote back, you know, the Lord, Jesus, hung on the cross for just under three hours. And then he died. And he ascended. That was a symbol that we are now upon our cross of this human body, of this human creation. And it's up to us to spend time every day focusing inwardly that we might also ascend. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, that's a good reason why. I'll try it. And so I did. I began doing two and a half hours and I found very quickly that things moved much more rapid in the action of meditation and in my, in my inner life as I did the two and a half hours. You know, if you go out over here on the lake and get on Lady Bird's Trail going around the lake and you walk for an hour and a half, you're going to get a good distance on a trail. And you can mark where you ended and then come back the next day and start from there and walk another hour and a half. And over time, you're going to gain a great amount of distance. You may walk around that trail many times doing it that way. But if you do two and a half hours, you're going to find that you gain greater distance quicker and you get where you want to go much faster. Well, that's how I have seen it for myself. And that's how I've given value to giving more time to God every day. So the more time we can give to God, the more time we're going to find God being with us. And that then can carry on into the day. And in meditation, what we do is we create a vulnerability. We become vulnerable to God's loving. We become vulnerable to that movement of the divine within us. And it is that vulnerability that is everything. Because in vulnerability, we are letting go. We are not trying to make anything happen. We are not trying to direct it. We are not demanding. We are not expecting. We are just being in a vulnerable moment, waiting to see what is going to happen, waiting to be in that flow of the loving. If we go into meditation with expectation, with the mind coming up with questions to try to get answers to, 
we're going to find that we aren't doing a true meditation. We are doing something other than true meditation. It's the mind's way of meditating, not the soul's. But if we can become vulnerable as the soul is every vulnerable and allow ourselves to focus our vulnerability on God, we are going to find very quickly that we move towards God in loving and that we open to receive God's loving that will go with us through the day. There's also a teaching that Kabir taught over 700 years ago. Kabir said, if you give time to God, God will be with you through time and beyond. Another teacher put it this way, if you do your 10% of the day, the two and a half hours, God will be with you the remainder of the day. It's when we become vulnerable to God and we allow God in, we can then become vehicles, vessels, instruments by which God can go with us into the day. So where does God dwell? Who is it that we're sharing this loving with in the beginning of our time of meditation? Well, the first place we find God dwelling is in the seat of the soul right there inside of us, at the very top of the body, the top of the forehead, and the top of the head, above the mind, above the brow center. That's where God dwells, as that divine spark that is the soul. So at first, when you're sharing your loving with God, you're looking right up here at the seat of the soul and sharing your loving here. You're loving the divine that you are. And that loving will dissolve all the things that block you from knowing the divinity of yourself. And then as you wake up to the divine within you and you begin to live that divinity more and more every day, eventually that divine self that is you, the soul, will look up beyond itself now because it is freeing itself of the attachments of the world and of the bond of the mind, and it now can look up. It doesn't have to keep focused down and out. It can look up, and it begins to share its loving with God of all creation, the God that created you. And you then begin to share your loving with God of all things and begin to merge into that loving essence. I learned this when I was just a child, going to churches every every Sunday, different church every Sunday almost. And the one thing I loved about every church I went to, whether it was Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, or Catholic, is that they all said the Lord's Prayer. Maybe with a few little different words or additions to it, but they all said the Lord's Prayer. And I loved it when we came to that part of the service because that's when I got to witness the truth of what I'm talking about. Because everybody would close their eyes and they would begin 
to hold their focus up to God in heaven. And they would say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in that moment, they would be sharing their loving with God in that prayer, whether it was just spoken in in a routine, not really giving much thought uh, to the words, or they were speaking with devotion. There was a movement of loving that took place. But the loving didn't go way out there into heaven somewhere. The loving came here to the seat of the soul in every one, whether it be the priest or the minister, the choir or the congregation. Every one, the loving went here to the seat of the soul. And so I learned at the age of six and seven years old that that's where God dwells, right here. I don't have to hold my focus into heaven, not knowing where is heaven and where is God and what does God look like. I knew where God dwelled. And all I had to do was keep focusing my loving here to the divine spark at the seat of the soul and love God. And let God that dwells here love me and let the loving that is there in me move into my daily life to go with me, guiding me, directing me, lifting me up, bringing me into clarity, just by loving, just through loving. So if you've ever wondered where does God dwell, that's a good place to start. Just know that God dwells within you. That divine spark is that which God created in his own image. That is God that sent forth God's self into manifestation of soul to have experience in this creation, in all of creations. And so that divine spark that dwells here is in God's likeness. It's in God's image. That's who we are. We're not this body. This body is but an instrument by which the soul can have experience in this creation. But it is not who we are. And there's a day in meditation, I know, and I hear it often from disciples, that they do finally wake up in that process that Rumi speaks of, wake up, wake up. And they all of a sudden realize the soul for themselves. They realize that they are soul and not this body. And they realize that the soul is eternal. And yeah, this body is going to die. It's going to go through its process. But that's not who I am. And life begins to change in that moment. There's a great freedom in that moment when we truly know, not just hope and believe and wish, but know. And that's what this pathway is about. It's a pathway of knowing. It's a pathway of experience. For years, I watched people in all these different churches and at synagogue when I would go to synagogue, having faith. Having faith that what the minister or the rabbi was saying was true. Having faith that there was a God. Having faith that these words in this book 
are true and that they're going to mean my salvation. And I looked at that and I realized that I didn't want that thing called faith alone. I wanted to know. I wanted the experience. Well, in a way, I had my experience when I was five years old and I've just lived it ever since. I knew God in that moment. I knew I was eternal. I knew I was the soul. I knew I was not the body. But when I started going to all these churches and seeing what people were practicing and believing and listening to and faithing into, I began to try faith, having faith. So I did faith on one hand and I did the truth in the other that I knew was my truth. And I found very quickly, faith got me nowhere. Faith didn't really give me what the truth gave me. I knew I was eternal. I knew I was soul. I knew I am loving. I knew I was a child of God. I didn't have to have faith that I was. I knew it. But I tried that whole thing of faith for a while, just trying to see if I could merge them together, if they fit together. But I found that faith is more of something of the world. It has not a lot to do with the soul and with its journey. The soul's journey is experiential. It's divine knowing. It's ever-present knowing. It's living the life eternal and true and fully. Faith is something we have in the world that gives the mind and the ego and the emotions and the imagination and the body reason to keep moving forward because I've got something I believe in. I've got something that's telling me to keep going forward. And faith is a wonderful thing to have if we have nothing else. But when we have the truth of experience, that's everything. That, I know, is everything. And the truth of experience is found inwardly, in meditation, in that sacred name, in that light that wakes us up, and that we wake up to, that's the light of our own soul, and in that sound that is the still, small voice of God, that is the movement and action of the Holy Spirit that is ever calling us now to return home. That's my truth. And that's the truth that is for every soul to wake up to, however it wakes up to it, that it began to walk the true journey of life without having faith go before it as a hope, as a wish, So meditation every day, whether it's five minutes, an hour and a half, two and a half hours, or five hours, it doesn't matter. What matters is for a moment you are focusing your loving with God and allowing God's loving in. And in that moment, however long that moment is, because God is the, the eternal moment, so forever how long that moment is for you, you are going to find your life transformed. And the more loving you share and the more loving you receive, the more you're going to find transformation.
The world doesn't transform. You do. Because you wake up. The world's going to go on doing what it's done since it began. That's not going to change. <clears throat> and we're not here to change it. We're here to experience it and then move on. So if we can remember that and allow ourselves the freedom to just journey through this world and to learn from it and to experience it fully so that we learn all the lessons, we complete all the things we came in to fulfill so that we are free to go on to what's next. And there's always a what's next. I've not seen an end to this yet. In all the years, I keep thinking, well, wow, it couldn't get any better than that. Well, yes, it can. There's more to it. So, wake up. Wake up. And know that you are divine. Not just wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep. But wake up, wake up, and know that you are divine. And then live the divinity that you are. And then you will know fulfillment. Then you will know the loving, the joy, and the peace that is you, the soul, that is God. All right.